Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we talk about our resistance to fully letting go of old traumas in our life, which may be holding us back in the third dimension and likely preventing us from ascending our consciousness up to a fifth dimensional frequency with author Miss Rachel Horton White of Tools for the Awakening Soul. So with that, Rachel, welcome to Merkava Chakras. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I love your work and um kind of getting into the nitty-gritty because a lot of people uh, when they get into their personal development and awakening, they just want to get to they want to get to the star seed stuff. They want to get to the connecting to uh, to to other beings in different dimensions. They want to get to the Kasha records. They want to get to all these other cool stuff. But then you pull them back and go, wait, 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 wait. Before you could do that, you have to declutter your old dense traumas, which are going to come up in these future. Um, developments in your consciousness so you want to clean up the closet a little bit and then move forward because it's going to come up in creative ways to make you work on those dense issues so before we get into the all the great stuff that your clients and your students get into can you tell us how you even got into the the work in the first place what's your journey well I um I always had this intuitive side to me where I would have dreams that would come true and um, uh, people in who are deceased, like coming to give me messages and dreams for my family, my mother and I, my mother's always been pretty psychic and she would um, wake me up when I was a baby every time she would think about me. So I had that, I always had that connection with her. Um, but it was always just kind of put on the back burner, like this weird thing. And I was told that, you know, that's scary. You don't do that stuff. You know, stay away. So, um, I, you know, I, I started doing, I started learning tarot and I started doing tarot readings for friends. Um, but you know, through most of my life, I took a pretty traditional path. You know, I went to college and I studied abroad in West Africa in Senegal, which really kind of blew my mind and opened my mind to a whole new world. And I wanted to give back and, um, and be of service to people who were like refugees, immigrants, asylum seekers. So I did nonprofit work for a while, went to live in Mexico, taught English. Um, but, and so I was doing this career of like, you know, working in nonprofits and I got really burnt out <laughs> and, mm -hmm. 
And I, so there was a pattern and the other, there was another pattern of relationships, which I had always had sort of, um, really intense sort of codependent relationships and pretty dysfunctional ones. And so it wasn't until my twenties that I actually, um, ended or I was like a serial relationship person, one after another, uh, and one ended and I had this year it was, I was engaged to somebody from Mexico actually. And our enga- we ended our engagement and I went to this like dep- deep depression and just period of solitude. And that's when I started meditating. Mm-hmm. I started studying Shambhala Buddhism. And um, in I Mexico? Just, no, this was in Georgia. So he was in Mexico. I moved back to Georgia. So I was in grad school and mm-hmm. I was living in this like tiny little dark apartment house thing in, right. in Georgia. And I was just, you know, sad and lonely and 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 started didn't know what else to do would say like, I could drink wine every night and I was mm-hmm. losing weight because I wasn't eating right and my sister sent me the book when things fall apart by Pema Chodron and mm-hmm. that book just like taught me of this concept of the ego I'd never heard of the ego I mm-hmm. realized I'm not my thoughts I'd never even thought about that that I didn't have to believe these things in my head and so I started and then I started learning about um energy and the law of attraction and I wrote down what I wanted in a part and then everything was there and then that next year I met that partner my husband and um and so that was good but then I was still in these career ruts and just starting to be I was really I had we had a child my son who's now 11 um and then we had my daughter who's now seven but it was when a little bit before she was born that I was just really stressed and burnt out grinding my teeth at night like crying just <laughs> So much craziness. And mm. so I hired a life coach at the at the suggestion of our babysitter. And she's like, my daughter hired this life coach and then quit her job the next day, changed her life. And I was like, I don't even know what a life coach is, but whatever, I'll do it. And she ended up being pretty spiritual. And she said, you need to start meditating again. Cause I'd always, you know, I'd, I'd stopped doing that once I had kids and you need to connect to something higher than yourself. And I had been, you know, I'd ra- I was raised in this congregational church, but quickly I became di- really disillusioned with any religion at all. And so I started doing that and I started meditating and connecting in with light. And then things started coming in. I started opening up my third eye. Um, that's when the phrase Akashic Records came in. And with along with the phrase Knights Templar came in, like I didn't even know what those things were, but I wrote them down. And so then I was guided to, um, well, before that, I um, she encouraged me to start just trying things out. So I started doing tarot cards, readings for friends. I started practicing talking about meditation and quantum physics, type, you know, metaphysics um, with energy and vibration in workshops. Mm-hmm. And I start, that's how I started this business, Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. But little did I realize I was going to be guided into a whole, I thought I was just going to teach meditation in workplaces. And um, and then the Akashic, I got an Akashic Records reading because that phrase came in and that, and it blew my mind. I was like, I have to learn this. Mm-hmm. So I learned um, how to read the Akashic Records from Linda Howe, who's a pretty well-known teacher. And um, that was like four or five years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do the readings now. It's just changed my life. And then around that time, I went back to school, um, learned, I went to the Southwest Institute for Healing Art, which is in Arizona. Um, and I learned hypnotherapy and, and I had already been doing a lot of angel work, Archangel Michael, a lot of angel connection. Um, but I, you know, hypnotherapy is what really 
help me um, learn more about how to do past life regressions and help people really heal, like you said, from deep traumas. And, and so that, you know, I was doing all this stuff in my own life, doing, I'm doing a lot of writing. Um, and so I started practicing this with clients and then um, noticed, started noticing how I was working with people individually and what was helping them. And then after, you know, I started thinking about it, but it took me about six years to finally mm-hmm. put it all in a book. And that's what I yeah. did. Like you mentioned last year. Um, and I worked on that pretty intensely for about two years of just what am I doing with people? I put it, I do a lot of guided meditations. I put that in there, like the tools that I was using to help me clear away ego, quiet my mind, you know, meditate, um, connect in with intuition, higher guidance. Right. Um, just go into the Akashic records, connect with past lives, heal ancestral patterns, all that stuff while taking action, while integrating, like you said, 3D. Right. <laughs> Moving from 3D into 5D. So, and here I am now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, you know, one, one of the things that always comes up is people don't really want to look in the skeletons in the closet. They don't want to do that mirror, mirror work, that self-evaluation, that um that self-reflection and because it 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 requires a lot of tenacity to look at yourself and go how can I be better in this how can I work better how can I set goals how can I what is holding me back from xxx what what is it about me that I'm scared of succeeding or I'm scared of failing or I'm scared of whatever and it oftentimes goes back to unresolved traumas that we think we've grown up and moved on. But uh, those hidden triggers come up in our lives later on when we're adults. And it's like, wait a minute, there is something that needs to be resolved. And this is what's holding you back from your next best experience. And so if you're going to be a conscious creator and a more... Um, higher frequency creator you got to have no dense issues that's going to trigger you and hold you back especially when you're challenged so i I have a series of things that is very common first how do unresolved old traumas manifest into illnesses in our bodies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um well my belief is that it's emotions it's emotions that are being unprocessed that um, we don't allow ourselves to feel. And I actually once had a client who said that her husband told her that he takes all of his emotions and puts them in a box and he puts them on the shelf and like a metaphorical box. And there's where they go. And I was like, Oh, wow. You know, that's, that's what a lot of us, you know, poor guy, that's what he was taught. And so I think, um, yeah. for a lot of people, that's what, you know, this, this is generational, this is ancestral. That's what their parents did. That's what they were taught. And it's a way of keeping ourselves safe it, from that. You know, we learn it's from, it's learned from a young age. Um, the inner child comes up with a way to survive, you know, our family circumstances, which of course we choose at a higher mm-hmm. level, you know, our souls choose, but it works until it doesn't, you know, it's like, it works, it works. It's the way of coping. Don't, you don't, don't go there. Don't, don't feel that or do this thing to cope. Um, and then, you know, like you said, with illness, if, but if we're avoiding some sort of trauma repeatedly or some sort of thing that is, you know, a conflict of relationship with somebody or, you know, like, a some sort of sexual abuse or physical abuse, but we're, but the person's not allowing themselves to feel all the emotions mm-hmm. that go along with that anger, sadness, whatever it is, then, um, it can get stuck in the body. And it, and that's where, you know, deal. I think 
my belief is that, um, and this is actually, I don't know if you know Dolores Cannon, but, um, Oh yeah. I just, yeah. I just, um, I just went to the 2023 reunion, uh, for the QHHT in Kauai. We did the Lemurian oh ceremony of Kaya. I interviewed Miss, uh, Miss Julia Cannon. And really? she was, That's cool. That episode is published on Rockfin. It will be on. It will be on YouTube in about a month because YouTube put me in jail because I said the infinite C word. Yeah, I know you told me that. That's ridiculous. You know, I just got a QHHT session today. I literally did you. You're on your way. Yeah, with well, I received it because I was. I I do it. My my works. It's it's similar but different. But with um this woman Dagny St. John who studied with Dolores Cannon, like she knew her. Anyway, so cool. So anyway, but but one thing that um that one of Dolores' clients said was that Jesus, this channeling like a past life, that Jesus was able to, you know, he was healing all these people and he was able to look at a person who had leprosy or some disease and tell if that person, if he was going to be able to heal that person. Because if it was a karmic contract that their mm-hmm. soul had chosen this disease as a way to learn from, he wasn't going to be able to heal it. He could help like ease their symptoms. But if they had created it, through unprocessed emotions and stuck energy than he could because he could help move that energy. And, you know, it was just, and so that's pretty much what a lot of us are doing is helping people move that energy through their bodies, which is, you know, processing emotions, releasing them, working with light, you know, light so much, but, but a certain level, if it's karmic, then their soul has to go through that experience. Right. And, and I, I completely agree with you because I, I found that in my, in my work, um, working through quantum hypnosis as well, um, for like the last decade, but, and then my whole life, uh, working through different Buddhist modalities to kind of help people raise their frequency. And then we work on raising their frequency and then they hit on something that triggers them. It's like, Oh, that you have to work on, on resolving that issue. And the thing is, the thing that people, and this is a very debated subject, is the subject of karma, a karmic debt. Uh, karma is just basically unresolved um, energy. It's just dense energy that you have to transmute. You have to resolve, forgive it, let it go, learn from it, grow from it, et cetera, all the different things that we talk about. But it's very, very debated um, in terms of your reincarnation of the karma that you have, the reincarnation aspect of it and the pre-life planning in Buddhism. A lot of Buddhists have arguments about this, about the play. But the thing is, is that the way that I see it in in, in studying um, pre-life planning and the reincarnation process is just like you say, certain things are fixed into your pre-life plan for a reason. Maybe it's something that's part of how you're going to jump into your work. So I'm giving you an example of this. Susan G. Komen, uh, the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation, it's a charity. She's helped millions upon millions of women and, and people around the world because of that foundation. Had she not had her sister die of breast cancer and went through it with her um, and and gone through her sister's passing of breast cancer, she would have not have known and been fueled by um by that experience to start a foundation on behalf of her sister's legacy had her sister not had that as part of her pre-life plan to have that experience of dying of breast cancer um or and she would have got that healed 
then Sujinji Koma would have never started the foundation in the first place, which many generations later have helped millions and millions upon millions of women worldwide who are suffering and recovering from that illness. That's the way to see karma that is karmic debt that is pre-planned in certain people's life charts in in terms of reincarnation. However, other things like... um, like if you have issues with attracting the same douchebag in your life over and over again because you didn't learn how to pick better relationships or learn better relationship habits from, let's say, the influence of your parents who may have picked these type of people or may be these type of people and you're just picking your parents, yeah. unconsciously picking up their their programming, that you can dissect, you can do the coursework and you can learn where it came from and then reprogram yourself so that you understand why you ticked the way you ticked and then resolve that and then moving forward you're not going to be attracted or that kind of patterning is never going to be attracted to you because you completely change your framework for what you resonate at that is changeable and for most people their old traumas that manifest in their bodies and in their life in different areas can be transmuted yeah so that's the difference i just want to make that very clear because it's very hotly debated in buddhism as well yeah that's it i i it's interesting because i think about that too and i think um you know we each come into each life with a set of lessons we want to learn right. and things we want to work on and that's because in past lives we didn't you know we might have tried and we it didn't go so well like we can't we, we can't we didn't forgive something or we harmed somebody or we harmed ourselves or who knows what we did or we, um, but now, as you know, you know, we're going through this massive shift towards 5d and we're breaking so many patterns just in this life. It's like, it's like crazy, you know, for not only for ourselves, like from our past lives, but also ancestral patterns. And, um, you know, I do, I met, you know, the Akash in the Akashic records, um, they're, this such a gift that a lot of us, you know, as light workers, are giving to our families, to our ancestors, to our ancestors. Even if you know, there's no time. It's all, it's all the same in the quantum field. That we're helping them heal because of all the trauma they've been through, just by making different choices and um, and breaking those patterns. And you know, the timelines. You know, it was going in this direction. You know, like like a river. I, there's always that great analogy of the river of life. And then we're like, nope. Every every sign, all my all the choices every one of my family has made has made that current go down this path, but it's mm-hmm. not a great path. And I'm going to make a different choice, which is hard because that's where we get to be the black sheep, you know, because everybody else in our family is like, what are you doing? You're different than us. Why are you making these different choices? But we're turning it to go in a different direction, which at first can feel like paddling upstream, but... Um, eventually, you know, as you know, our vibrations and the light we bring in actually was just picking up on this today. My, when I was telling, you know, regressed myself, our vibration is, can be strong enough with our light to help bring other people with us, you know, bring them as many as we can bring as many as we can into 5d so they can start to ascend, you know, and make it happen a little quicker so they could do it yeah. in this life, not, in, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. In Buddhism, there's the concept of uh, anatta and anika. Um, it comes it comes out of Hinduism as well and Jainism. 
But basically, there's the ego. You have an ego in a certain level. When you look at yourself, you have an ego. You have a higher self. You need that polarity. You need that reflection point, a high and a low. Kind of like mm-hmm. the angel and the little <laughs> minion on the other side, yeah. the, the mischievous one. Uh, but you need that that duality to bounce back. Otherwise, you don't exist if nobody's looking at you. <laughs> so it's the same kind of thing, right? Left, up, down. So you have an ego and it's just a matter of working with your ego to create through. Um, but on a higher, higher level in in Buddhism, there is no ego. There is none self there's no self you just you are you are one and all you are it so it's just like um when you look at your arm you see your arm you look at your leg you see your leg you see individual parts and they are having their own functions your heart has their own function your lungs have their own individual functions and when you look at it on an isolated level yes it's individual but when you look at it on the macro level it's one body so we are all one body of the greater body of sorts, having our own individual experience, as well as having one grander experience in um, in samsara or in existence. And the thing that is interesting is that when you understand how you consciously create things and you work on these issues, you understand how you came up with these dense issues and you work on it, then you become more conscious creator of your physical reality. Uh, then you start having dominion over reality because it's all based off a frequency and consciousness that you emit. The consciousness is just basically the programming is the intentions that you put out there. Mm-hmm. And then the frequency is like the energy, <laughs> the energy. So how do unresolved old traumas unconsciously influence how we create our adult life? Because, you know, we're adult, we're making money, we have families, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yet we're not progressing yeah. our frequency and it goes down to some unresolved childhood issues so yeah. can you give us some examples of what you found with your clients and yeah. on this yeah um well i always when i have some when somebody new comes in and if they aren't you know if they're new to kind of spirituality i'll usually ask them like have you ever thought about how you want to be in your life or how and, and you know it's like this future self this is manifesting the law of attraction and some people have done that. They've done like vision boards and stuff like that. But I like to say, well, have you thought about how do you want to feel? And as you know, like the heart is such a powerful uh, generator of electromagnetic magnetic energy that when you go mm-hmm. into the feelings, you're really generating that. And so I'll help them. You know, if they don't, often people need help because nobody's ever told them they can just say how they want to feel or what they mm-hmm. want or how they want to be. Um, but that's, you know, putting out this vibration, putting out this... Um, energetic form in the quantum field that exists it's a timeline it's out there it's just waiting and it's a high vibration it's just waiting for their current self to align their current self vibration with that future vibration it's you know it it has to happen at some point but it's going to take a lot longer if they have limiting beliefs that come up that tell them why they can't shouldn't won't become that so that and those, you know, just like you said, and it's, it's usually it's, a voice. It's either your older brother or it's parents. either a parent or a, yeah. a sibling. Uh-huh. It's, it's like, the voice of a parent living in your body, but it comes yeah. out through a different filter, saying, and, "Oh, you're not good yeah, enough. Exactly, you're never going to amount to yeah. anything, et cetera, yeah. et cetera." Yeah, or just you know, there there can be literally like thoughts that 
they have accumulated from, it starts with childhood, it goes through, you know, the programming of public school, through the media, but some of it is even, it, you know, it can be more, you know, beliefs that like, you know, so if, if a parent leaves the family and the child's a young age, that child will often think, well, I must not be deserve worthy of love or I must be bad or I, you know, I must've done something wrong. So they, or, they take the, they take the, uh, they take the responsibility as themselves. Yeah, like I could have done better to keep this yeah, together. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that will create this sort of belief pattern that they're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's tricky is they don't even realize that they're actually, they actually believe this about themselves. And I've, I've been having some clients recently where they really want to connect with source. They want to connect with light, with God, whatever. And they feel really blocked. And some people even feel like they're not worthy of doing it or, mm. or, um, and that's also, I think that also definitely there's past life stuff coming up. I just did a reading for somebody today who was a monk in a past life and a really like strict sort of ascetic order of monks and was like hit every time she was a he, he would like try to connect. There'd be somebody coming around like whacking him. And so there was this sort of like association of um, doing it wrong and being punished when you were connect, trying to connect. But, mm-hmm. you know, as we, as you know, it's like past life stuff. Then we start to repeat in childhood and the same sorts of things will happen. Not, you know, maybe not that such sort of thing, but with this person, um, it was just some, you know, being cr- corrected by her mother a lot and always thinking mm-hmm. she was doing things wrong and you know just being a lot a lot of critis- critical like it was really the mother a lot of criticism and so that can translate into you know I'm this is a sort of core belief system of not doing things right or being um you know uh yeah just being wrong and then, right. and that c- can show up to block the vibration so it's really important for people to first become aware, like, what are the beliefs that I might, they might even still believe they're true Yeah. That are in there. What are the thoughts that are th- coming up? And I'll say to people, the easy, pretty easy ways think anything that says I can't, I'm not, I don't, people won't, or maybe it's like a third person. You can't, you can't, you're not, you won't, you shouldn't, you should, those types of things. It's the ego mm-hmm. and it's trying to hold them in their safe place, trying to, you know, coming from that you know, good place, I guess, of keeping them safe, but it starts to go into overdrive. And, um, and it also comes from that wounded inner child. And so it's really important to really get a handle on those beliefs and those thoughts. And as you may know, one of the best ways to do that is just through meditation to become aware of the thoughts in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. The thing from them. That's that's very true. The thing about this journey of, of the spiritual evolution is when, when people think of being spiritual, they think of just the, the religious context because that's what they've been uh, taught through society culture is the religious ta- context. But everything is spiritual. Everything. You're, the chair, the shirt you're wearing, the air you breathe, everything is spiritual because everything is spirit manifested so that you and 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 so that you can have the experience and engage with the experience directly. So it is all through the consciousness of yourself, everybody else, and also of um, the source itself in everyone. So everybody's playing different levels of consciously creating um, their reality that they're engaging. So when you understand that it is consciousness that uh, that is feeling the energy of creation then everything is spiritual. So it's not a religious context to, mm-hmm. to, um, 
like, you can say all the mantras and prayers you want, but you're not going to raise your frequency until you do the mm-hmm. personal work in how yes. you consciously create and see reality. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's so like for for some clients, um, just getting over the the hurdle of, you mean. For me to spiritually evolve and get to fifth dimensional and higher consciousness and frequencies and have dominion over my reality and have more con- more control in how I consciously create and manifest things to experience, I actually have to work on myself. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. my hangups and my roadblocks. Yeah. You know, and so j- just to get over that, when you get over that and you understand how creation works. Then you're like, oh, okay. So then, so then, you know, you work on the dense issues, you work on dense issues, and then you have the building blocks and the framework that you learn through working on your own uh, hangups and issues for how you see things and create from those old programs that you had picked up or learned in your consciousness. Like you said, school, church, culture, et cetera, TV, whatever, all the different elements that are influencing you. And then you move forward and then you you don't just stop right you just keep doing it like yeah. as you go like I'll give you an example as I go along and I'm driving to the grocery store I'll think of something and then I'll have this thought like wow that's weird why did I think why did I think so negatively about that well I wonder what's going on and so then I'll think to myself like where did I get that that thought about about that thing that I had a negative thought about um that doesn't seem like me so then you know whether you can pinpoint it to a habit that you had picked up or an influence you picked up in this lifetime or maybe if it's something that's that's carried on from a past life um even if you don't even know where it's coming from and you may not have the time to to really do that research what's the quick process for getting over it so that you can grow and move Well, I always come back to meditation. I mean, it's like, that's just the number one way to just be develop the awareness of really everything that we are not just your body, you know, you're a part a piece of that source energy, you're a piece of that light within this temporary human vessel. And, um, and with meditation, then you, you know, you develop this awareness and you really develop, like you were talking about before this connection with your higher self and, Mm -hmm. And your higher, and then and then you understand like there's this ego part of who we are, and there's this higher self part of who we are, and um, and that you know it just really helps us get a bird's eye view on our life, and you know move out of these like little dramas and situations we get in and triggers, and and you know I think um, some people get really frustrated with other people. You know a lot of mm-hmm. it is relationships with other people, certainly. Yeah. That's been happening for a lot of us, but I, I've come to learn myself and, you know, that anytime I'm having a challenge with somebody else and I feel triggered by it, that's a learning, like that's something that I need to look at. And I think I, Mm. and I need to clear, and I really believe that, you know, spirit and our our own higher selves, because we've created, we've created these circumstances for ourselves Mm -hmm. to learn from that, that we're guided to these situations. And it's like, you know, like you were talking about before, it's like, oh crap. I got to deal with this thing now. I thought I just, I just worked on this, this pattern. Now there's another one coming up and it's like the layers of the onion, you know, that go, you know, we go through the, we go, as you go through the onion, you get to the thickest, most innermost layers and they are thickest and they're the deepest things. 
Um, I don't know if that answers your question. I was going to touch on something else you said, though. No, um, that 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 <laughs> does that does help and and um, a lot. So you know what I like to do is I like to provide provide people with simple tools to reprogram unconscious behavior that they've unconsciously picked up from many generations of bad habits that never served them. So I'll give you, uh, let's do an exercise to give people some tools that maybe they never, never learned before. This might be the first time they've been, you know, come across essential tools that they can use in their everyday life. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a common trauma um, and Mm -hmm. you let us know some tips of how to reprogram that. Okay. Moving forward. Mm -hmm. So the first example, play a little game. <laughs> um, the first example is childhood molestation and sexual assault done by a family member or someone close to the family. Yeah. That's a trigger for people. Yeah. I just worked with somebody the other day on this. I've been seeing this quite a bit. Um, at least they're coming to you and they're working on it. Yeah. Right. That exactly. Can, that can definitely hold you down yeah. to 3D oh, forever. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's so, I think, you know, there, I, when I work with people, I don't, there's no like place that I just say, oh, this is mm. where we're going to start, you know, because yeah. everybody's in a different place with that. You know, one of the biggest things that is, it comes up with that is shame. Mm. And um, there's a lot of memory repression uh, that comes up with that because it's a way of, you know, that their um, co- ego is probably keeping them safe. Um, but, you know, I do, I just did the other day. Um, hypnotherapy and regressions. I did this, you know, I've been starting to do more childhood, like inner child regressions, mm-hmm. um, it can be really powerful ways to go back and like retrieve literally like fragments of that person mm-hmm. in different a- a- in ages that were, that separated from themselves. So often with, with sexual abuse, their souls sometimes leave their body. They're not even in their body because right. that's how they stay safe. And, um, I see this with a lot of clients, they become really disconnected from their bodies and, and they, you know, then can develop if, if it's, you know, like issues in the reproductive areas and, um, mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. sense. Fertility issues. Yeah. Fertility issues, which makes sense. Cause there's a lot of energy there. I actually had a client who has had, um, years of that, of mm-hmm. uh, fertility and all kinds of issues with, you know, with, um, uterus ovaries, all kinds of that. and a lot of other things. Um, and, but there was, she had no memory of any of this, Mm -hmm. anything happening. And then it started coming back little by little. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of bringing in self-love, right. And I, I really like to help people connect with divine guidance to help pull them through because there's, Mm -hmm. there's also a bit of, um, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, why is this my life (laughs) and why, and, and I'll try to, and I, so there's a little bit of teaching. It's like, mm-hmm. and the Akashic records can be a really powerful way to help people understand that, well, you actually chose this experience at some level because your soul wanted to learn from it, or there's a pattern to be broken, but often it's passed down that the parents or the grandparents are doing to the parents, the parents are doing to the children. Right. It's a generation, then, it's like, a generational yes. thing. And nobody stopped to go, right. wait a minute. How did we all have the yeah. same bad habits? Yeah. And so for, and then, it, then with, with often with clients that are doing this inner work, like it stops here because I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, and it also ultimately ends with forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like what you did to me is okay. But right. 
by forgiving you, this abuser, even if it was your own family member, you're saying, you know, I'm cutting the cords of codependent of any of these cords that whatever dysfunctional, you know, you're you're wounded, you're so wounded that you did that to me mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, I'm you know, they deserve we'll talk about like you need to protect yourself from, you know, this right. you deserve so to you protect s- yourself. Boundaries, boundaries yes. is, is boundaries a lesson as well. Boundaries one. and discernment is a big one that a lot of people need to learn because yeah, boundaries. They, they they a lot of people think that um, you know, you want to be nice, you, you know, want to yeah. let, let things go. Well, there's there's a certain point to yeah. um to kindness, and there all there also is discernment and boundaries that is a form of loving yeah. kindness as well yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Loving kindness for yourself that you won't let people just walk all over you about sticking up for yourself. Exactly. You know, that's that's loving yeah. kindness for yourself, as well as loving kindness for other people that. I love you enough not to let you be that bad yeah. by yeah. putting boundaries and discernment yes. on how far this yes. exercise is going to go before you and I learn the lesson yep. about yep. going through the suffering. Yeah. So um, that, yep. that, that's a tool right there just to be able to do that. And you know what? That process is actually the process in the West they call repentance. You know, that is actually mm-hmm. repentance because you acknowledge mm-hmm. what happened on both mm-hmm. sides, you acknowledge what happened in your part, even as as a perpetrator, you acknowledge what happened. But as a victim, you acknowledge what happened to mm-hmm. not stick up for yourself. Um, yeah. they, I mean, when you're like a little kid, little kid, you know, obviously. Yeah. But if if you are uh, older, like and you are more capable and you carry yeah. this on, you know, so there's boundaries and discernment. Yeah. So in the basic idea, you acknowledge your part in it and you make amends, which is like accepting it, what happened, forgiving what happened, letting it, the anger go so it doesn't no longer yeah. carry you, letting the anger go that yeah. it happened to you, yeah. and then setting boundaries for yourself. Yeah. And so and that you won't carry this on to the next generation. Yeah, right. You won't let this happen to you right. in another relationship in another way. Right. And, you know, I just, this is so important, as I'm sure you know, the inner child, like really connecting with that inner child, because that little girl, little boy is just really confused. And, you know, um, it's, there's so much emotion that goes into it, this shame, you know, and there's the secret part of it often with if it's family in the family, then it's often a secret. And so there's that throat chakra, like, how can I remember Mm -hmm. to speak and yeah. Or feel safe that it's safe for me to you know speak and share, um, and and um, but the inner child, you know. So I have a different guided meditations on my podcast, which is called the Courageous Path on SoundCloud and iTunes. I just throw them on there, but I put up a few of them, and there's one that's specifically helping people connect with their inner child. And I mean, you can. I like to um, bring in a spirit guide or just a wise, loving being to help the, you know, the, you feel safe to actually the to inner child to feel safe. Cause sometimes they're really pissed off. They're not, mm-hmm. you're not, they're hiding, they're scared, they're sad, or they're angry. And so bringing in that guide to just really connect with that little child. Like how did, how does it, how do you feel? I want to know how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need? And, and we can comfort them. And this is all in visualization. You know, I do this obviously in guided imagery and hypnotherapy, but you could, people can do this on their own too. Right. It's a little harder to do it on your own, but you can still do it. And just, you know, imagine you're just comforting. You're giving that little child 
in the case of abuse, you know, the, the, the love, the protection, the safety they need. And really for all of us, they, they often just, there were needs that weren't met. Um, and with, you know, with that sort of abuse, it's a serious violation of, of trust. I mean, learning to trust anybody, mm. um, but that our adult selves and our spirit guide can just sit with that child and, and the emotions can be expressed. And then, you know, really what coming up with ideas of what would help that part, that inner child, right. you know, continue to help the adult self heal and move forward is super, 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 super important, important. Right, right. Integration and yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen this as well with, um, with other clients where, like, I had there was this client that, um, was like, you can be like, when people say you get triggered, something triggers you, and that shows that there's something inside you that you have to work on, that you have to un, that you have to resolve. Once you resolve it and you understand it and you grow from from that, um. You can come across the same event and you will have a completely different response. Yes. You're not going to be angry. Yeah. You're not going to be sad. You're not going to be just going to have a completely different response. That's when you know you've grown. Yep. If you still have the same yep. triggered response, you haven't grown. Right. But if and you I come think, across yeah. the same thing and it's not, you don't want to like punch something. Yeah, you grow. <laughs> and we get these little, some, sometimes we think we set up little tests for ourselves. Like, uh-huh. all right. Let me just see, like, here's that same situation again. I'm, and you know, why is it happening again? Because I'm just going to see how I react this time. And uh, it's the like, universe oh, will do that. They'll, you, they'll <laughs> totally. te- the mini, the, like, they're like, I call them quizzes. Yes. Like, yeah. Give them little, like little, little quizzes. quizzes. Pop little quizzes. Yeah. <laughs> pop quiz time. Let's see if you learn anything. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's, that's another thing for people to understand. I'll give you an example of how some of these triggers are not always verbal, sometimes they are triggered body reactions but they're still triggered so i had this client who works in the daycare wonderful person working with children but for whatever reason whenever she spoke to the parents you she would close her eyes when she talks to you she she would close her eyes but then as soon as she talked to a kid or she looked away her eyes would be open and she would have a normal conversation but whenever we talk to the parent and the the root of that behavior that that trigger that showed up in the body as closing the eyes talking to the parent came from her childhood but she could never look at her parents eyes um because she was always like getting disciplined or she didn't do something right Mm -hmm. and so she was afraid of kind of you know owning up to to that conversation with her parents because she was always disciplined and so she grew up working in child care and then whenever she talked to the parents of the children that would trigger the closing the yeah. eyes to have that yeah. conversation um because it it reminded her unconsciously of being the little kid that can't talk to yeah. her parents and have a you know eye to eye conversation and level level conversation and so that was something that she had to work on because that came up as as one of the things that the daycare wanted her to work on because some parents were complaining <laughs> Did we do something wrong? Why can't yeah. she us in the eye when she talks to us about our kid? Did we do something yeah. wrong? You know, and so that was one of her one of her feedback. But that's where it came from. Once she understood that, and she, like you said, do the inner child work where you in meditation you go back to that consciousness of that child who is still exists right now in that time frame. 
because everything in stores exists concurrently. So when you heal one thing, you heal concurrently the energy field of that person experiencing that right now. So when she did that in a child work, the very next day, she was like, I'm going to walk, I'm going to talk to some of these parents. Yeah. And she talked, she looked them straight in the eye and had a great conversation. So amazing. So, and but yeah. Triggers can yeah. show up on bottle, bodily yep. reaction too. Yep. Yep. And that's okay. where, you know, I think people have, sorry, the people have mm-hmm. like, we set goals for ourselves and we want to do like, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to, and then we don't do it. And we wonder why it's because there's that subconscious part of us that isn't on board, that doesn't, that may not feel like it's safe. It's often, you know, that that's that deep inner child. And of course we want to like comfort and work with the inner child and hold her, him. But, um, but until we like really connect with that part and be like, what do you, what is, what are the unmet needs and resolve mm-hmm. those needs? That's why I think so many people, you know, the new year's resolutions don't work because they haven't, their subconscious mind isn't on board. And so it really does take getting into that altered state of consciousness um, through meditation, through guided imagery, you can do it through writing. Um, and I put some of that stuff in my book, you know, cause writing works, you know, especially with handwriting, cause it starts to channel the right brain and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and intuition, but it, it can be really, it, it can take, and also I think it takes time. You know, I think we all are taught to like, give me a pill, make it get better. Let me get through all, resolve all my crap. And you know, it takes months, years. So yeah, yeah. you have to start doing the work. <laughs> Uh, this is funny that you mentioned um, it's, it pills and medication. There are a lot of medications that are not being produced anymore or or really cut down in supplies. So if you're using medication and relying on certain medication for your, your psychological wellness and there's a short supply of it, um, maybe it's time to start doing this work on yourself. Yep. Maybe yep. it's time. Here's yep. another here's another exercise, another example. Um, okay, so being disciplined as a child through violent beating. Mm. What are your tips on how to reprogram that unconscious, you know, yeah, be going on in the background? Yeah. You know, I think it's still, it's a similar approach, I think, with the, you know, with the inner child um, and with healing and, um, you know, and I think, um when I work with clients, I work with them in a few different ways. So what I just talked about just a minute ago was really the subconscious, but there's also things we can do that are kind of still connecting with the subconscious and with the conscious. So I'm just going to talk about it in this way, because, you know, I'll, I'll, what some people really worry about when they have trauma is, are they going to have to go back and relive that? And if they mm-hmm. do, are they going to be able to function still? So that part of them is trying to protect them, you know, from to to protect them from going like being a crumbled heap on the floor not able to right. get up and function um so you know what I'll tell them is like you don't have to you don't have to relive relive any of it right. um but and we and honestly it's not it's really not what happened that matters it's what you what you're carrying the associations or the mm-hmm. beliefs that formed in your mind based on what happened which are often not accurate so Mm -hmm. you know with with like physical abuse for instance it might just be well i can think of somebody who's been through that and it's there's this belief that can come up like i'm bad you know there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with me otherwise why would i why would somebody treat me like this i must be a bad person that can be very deep and that can lead to all kinds of things but you know working with that belief and just and you know you can do some 
I like to do neurolinguistic programming sometimes, which right. helps them, you know, you, you recall times when you've were praised for being good. And then you re really bring that memory and try to replace it with the memory of times when you felt like you were being bad. And, and, you know, so another approach to this is have, helping people work with what things that are coming up now in their life. So often with physical abuse, it will show up as, um, you know, keeping people, you know, often like keeping people away because that's, you know, a way to be safe or just self-sabotage you know, is yeah, a common, is a common tool yeah. of, of somebody who has a lot of unresolved, um, they might just think Most they're irreparably broken. Like they must right. they deserve that at some level because they're bad. And that again, that's that inner child. And so sometimes they start to attract, you know, they, they start to be the domestic violence channel uh, always running. Yeah. yeah the, or they start to behave. Life. Like if I'm bad, then I'm just going to be bad. And so they start to uh, create their own reality. Mm -hmm. I've seen that, you know, with, um, that I'm just going to, you know, start, I'm, I'm, it can be really deep. Like, well, I'm just worthless then you know, because that's how I felt when I was being treated that way. So I'm just going to, so who cares? doesn't even matter what I do. And this is where I think, right. you know, a lot of people who end up becoming criminals um, because they just don't think it matters. And I don't think anybody cares about them. So what do they care? So it's really, I think for that, it's really a lot of, you know, just self-love. And right. um, you got you to know, care for yourself. Who cares if nobody cares for you care for yourself. Yeah. And I'll, and yeah. also what I'll, I'll say, you know, to clients with any form of abuse is like, you know, you didn't get what you deserved as a child from your parents. And, um, at some level that's, it's not fair to that child, but at a higher level, your soul did choose this to learn from, uh, maybe there's karma, maybe you were the abuser in a past life. And so this life you're choosing to be the abused, or maybe you've mm -hmm. experienced the same pattern over and over and over, but this time you're going to break the pattern by working on forgiveness or whatever it is, right? Um, or self-love, you're going to begin to love yourself in spite of going through this. You know, how do you learn to love yourself? You experience something that is the opposite of love that you need to work through. Like you said, with that Susan G. Komen example, example, mm -hmm. you wouldn't go do that if you didn't have something that kind of forced you to do it. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's like you can go in small stages, you know, it's like, okay, I'm doing this. Am I still safe? And that inner child checking in? Yes, I'm still safe. Um, now I remember what I was going to say, I just lost my train of thought, but I think I'll say to them, like, you didn't get what you deserved from your parents and your parents may never say they were abused by their parents or by a parent physically mm -hmm. abused. I mean, their your parent may never apologize and they, they may don't never think there's anything change. wrong. Exactly. But well, be because I'll give you an, I'll give you an example to that point. Um, this happens in Asia. I hate a lot of Asian Buddhist clients for obvious reasons. But in in many Asian cultures, it, it's very, very strict and they don't really show their emotions like Westerners. Doesn't mean that they don't love their children. They love their children very, very much. But it's just not um, PDA and a lot of emotion is not something that has has been carried forth. Uh, because it's in in past called past history, it's a very tough life, like in migrant villages, all that, and so you have to like you got to be sturdy, um, and not just sturdy um, as a a physical level to kind of get through that grueling lifestyle, but also sturdy in emotional level as well. And so what happens is um, they, especially if they go to the West and they're growing up in the West, they and they're using Western uh, metrics of, of love, 
like to measure love, like lots of hugs, lots of I love you, lots of emotion. And they're and then they're mm. looking at their their Asian family. Oh, yeah. They must not love me that much, yeah. you know. And so and 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 in order to break that, um, they need to learn to express their emotions and kind of learn to kind of break through that and be more loving because that's why you see this is very common in Asian families the grandparents are so loving but when they were working adults they weren't as much they had to get into that so it's a matter of reframing retraining and breaking that cycle once you learn to break that cycle um, everybody in the family learns from you because they're like, 100%. oh, yeah, they're doing it differently. Yeah, you're doing something yeah. different, but I like it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I um just you know with parents, I think that's always a big thing for a lot of us is just healing with our parents and and with people that we don't understand. You know, and like why did they, why are they like this? And I, I think one of the most important things we can do is just try to under try to understand why is this person like this. It's not that they don't love me. It said that that's what they were taught. That's what their parents did yeah. for them. And that's all they know. And it's, and it's, and so, you know, developing that sort of compassion and understanding and empathy can really help us to move towards that big, the, the F word, the forgiveness, you know, which yeah. is really You're hard, not going to be but, banned for saying the F word. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but that, you know, and I think, you know, ultimately really forgiveness is just letting it go. It's like, I, I'm not going to expect you to be anything other than you are you may not be capable or your soul might not be ready to move to this higher state of consciousness in this life but you know you're working on it and uh, and what I was going to say before was that um, you know it's like the parent may never be able to give that child or the adult any any what they deserve from a parent but they can get that and that inner child can get that need met from a spirit guide from guardian angel from a deceased loved one that serves as that or their own like higher self or current adult self that just comfort from somewhere. And, you know, I think I have some clients who really, who can struggle with that idea of like, they can sometimes say, well, I don't have anyone in my life that I really feel loves and cares about me. And I'll, and you know, they probably do have somebody, but they may think they don't, but then we'll be like, well, you have your spirit team. You have like right. this, and and honestly, at that subconscious level, even just visualizing that support or you know visualizing or whatever, you know, some people have different senses, you know, feeling it, just right, right. and you can still get that need met, and that healing right. can happen. Well, one of the one of the things that one of the things the things that's taught in Buddhism that the best thing that you could do for for the universe, the Lord, the main Buddha, whatever you want to call source, um, is to have loving kindness for yourself. It's not narcissism. Okay. This is self self love to, to care for yourself, to feed yourself good thoughts, to put the work to provide yourself a comfortable home and nurturing and good food and good health. That's self, that's self love. That's appropriate self love, not the narcissistic that you need everybody to, you know, validate you. That's two, two separate things, but that's the best thing you could do is to take care of your temple. 
And when you take care of your temple and you take care of yourself as a reflection of source in body, mm. God in this body particularly, then um, what happens naturally is um, you radiate this energy that attracts like energy. So it's not long before all of a sudden you you find yourself in a relationship that's very loving. The person's very a, a great match with you, and before you, you're not alone. Yep. Yep. There are people who are just so they radiate such loving energy for themselves and for everybody else that they, it's almost impossible for them not to be loved by other people yep. or to yep. attract others like them. So yep. just keep working on that 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 self love, and your reality will mirror back to you what you are. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And here's talking- another. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to say that's a whole. Uh, um, when I do an sometimes I get Akashic, Akashic Records readings, and or somebody comes for an Akashic Records reading, and they really want to know about a relationship they're struggling with, or why are they having a hard time attracting their soul partner? And it always comes down to that: that once mm-hmm. you love yourself, then you're going to give out that vibration of I deserve, I am worthy of receiving love, or you can mm-hmm. start to receive love, and you start first by you know you begin that vibration of receiving and then you give you're literally giving off that vibration and because that's a law like finds like and that can be really hard for people to understand and you know i think there is when i first started you know diving in really to like the spiritual intuitive psychic world i had some i had a few clients and i don't attract these clients anymore because for anyway i just don't uh, people just would say, you know, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Like, tell me what's going to happen. You know, like read my, predict my future. What am I going to meet my soul partner? Am I going to meet my soulmate? And I would have to, you know, in the Akashic records, it's like, well, that depends on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you yeah. If you're going to work on, you know, healing, doing your inner work, if you work on creating, reframing your thoughts, um, you know, healing the, with your inner child, then, and all of that leads to of loving, you know, bringing, raising your vibration to that of love, like we were just talking about, then you could, but it's very, a lot of people are still, there's that sense of disempowerment that I think is still, it happens in even the spiritual world. Right. You know, psychics, as many of them are good, but some of them aren't good. And they're, it's like, people just think, oh, you're going to, this is what's going to happen. This is what's predetermined for me where yes, that, that is part of it, but there's also free will and you make choices and you can change. Right. Well, you attract what you attract the timeline that you are. Yeah. I mean, like in Buddhism, the future is just probabilities. That's it. The future yes. is not set. It's just probabilities because everything exists concurrently. The past, present, every the spirit world, everything exists concurrently. And so if you change, if you work on um, your hangups and your roadblocks to understand why you keep manifesting certain things because you have unconscious programs that you have yet to resolve and grow and let go and forgive all this work to understand them so you can grow and move on and not continue to manifest uh, the same life lesson over again in different ways, then you completely change your energy field and therefore you complete you change what reality you attract to yourself. You would change you change the type of people that you attract to yourself, the the type of career that you attract to yourself, the the, the lifestyle you attract to yourself because you're no longer in in the in the frequency that matches what you were yeah. going to to experience if you did not do this healing work. So let me give an example for how people 
one of the things is one of the next next exercises is growing up in poverty and always hungry. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you we were we're raised in poverty, um, and you didn't use the opportunity to grow and to work on yourself and to develop skills and you know all, all on and on and on to work yourself out of poverty then you have a very high pr- probability that your future is going to be more of what you are, more poverty, less opportunities. Yeah. But if you acknowledge that, okay, I come from, from not very many um, opportunities, but I'm going to learn different skills. I'm going to do good in school. I'm going to align myself with people who are like-minded that is interested in p- pursuing self-development, interested in pursuing things that are interesting then you have a high probability that you're going to probably get into a reality and experiences in your near future where you attract these opportunities that you have to pick from. You attract better careers. You attract better type of friends. You attract a better companion um, as well, just because that is the circles you run with because you completely changed your trajectory. That's why the future is always probable. So um, it depends on what your frequency is at this current time. If you do nothing, this is what part where you're going to happen to get. If you do something about it, then you completely change it. So um, yeah. let's do another example. Being raised by parents who use alcohol and drugs to cope. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to ask about the poverty one. Um, oh, you want to oh, you hit, hit no, on the no, poverty one? Okay. No, no, no go ahead. Okay. No. Um, hit, so- hit poverty real quick. Okay. Well, because I start, yeah, I start thinking about that because I, I, I see that, you know, the fear of not having enough, um, is really can be very deep for people. And that, you know, that's abundance and flow and aligning with that flow of, of you know, the word money, you know, can be really triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I've, I've had clients who are, who it's really hard, especially with, you know, how our money system is right now. And there's all kinds of manipulations happening, but, um, I, I, for me, I, um, worked on that myself and I, and I didn't come from poverty. I had the opposite, but I had a lot of guilt, had, you know, privilege and I can't, and I felt guilty about it. And anyway. So what did you squander it all or what did you do? No, I just, I just, I, um, I didn't want to be like, cause I lived in countries where people had a lot less than I did. And I, I mm. felt ashamed, guilty that I it was, I wasn't, the same as I just I went in nonprofit. I was like, I'm not going to make money, and I didn't <laughs> oh, for a while. Okay, and so I had to like reframe it. And and for me, what really helped was just you know, there's a reason that 12 step programs like AA work because they're all about surrendering and mm-hmm. surrendering to something higher than yourself. And and that you know that trust that my needs are always going to be provided for that God or whoever that source, like that my guides were always going to make sure that I had, that my needs will always be met mm-hmm. unless I had a sole purpose that I needed to learn from about, you know, with poverty right. or whatever, but right. um, is it part of, is it a Dharma lesson? Is it a, a yeah. karmic lesson that I need to overcome? Yeah. Right. Um, but, but ultimately it's one of the divine laws of the universe is a, a law of abundance and a flow. There's just mm-hmm. flow everywhere. There's flow of water, there's flow, you know, leaves grow abundantly. And, but for me that, that was really hard to kind of surrender to it, to allow myself to just trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so with, with clients who have that, you know, poverty, it's like doing that, but then it's not like we just sit around and think, all right, well, everything's going to happen. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything. 
I'm just going to trust. But then you, then it's like tapping into, you know, your higher self and that gives, you get these divinely inspired ideas to, you know, reach out to somebody mm-hmm. to explore, you know, this is what I've done. I've, you know, explore an idea or just, you know, you get, it's through people often. And then that person helps you start a business or then that person meets, introduces you to somebody else who hires you or who knows, they teach you about something. Synchronicities happen all the time so in these higher levels. So yeah. Much. Yeah. So that, I think the surrender piece is really important when it comes to just, and flow and is allowing flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do, we can do, people can do that through light, just, you know, feeling like a flow throwing, flowing through your body. And then like we freely, I, I like to say mantras, I freely give, I freely, freely receive. If I have to pay a big bill, I'll say, I trust there's more where that came from. You know, mm-hmm. some of those mantras can really help, you mm-hmm. know, anytime like, Oh, I can't afford that. Don't ever say that, you know, or I'm not, yeah. I don't have enough. You know, we want to reprogram our, our words we say out loud. And I have, I know people who say these things and I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll be like, Oh God, I hear them say it. Yeah. Like, they're starting to create, we got, we got to, our words have vibrations. In our yeah. Thoughts. So anyway. What you say is as you wish, as yeah, you wish. Exactly. So well, here's alcohol. And right. Drugs. Yeah. yeah. So raising, being raised by parents who use alcohol and drugs to cope. Yeah. So well, what do you want to say he, about that one? You know, I think people, you know, anybody who's using alcohol or drugs to cope is, is there, there's some pain, there's pain that they are not, um, willing or they're not, they don't feel like they're able to deal with. So they're numbing it. You know, it's like a numbing. Right. Um, but you know, for the child who it grows up with parents like that, it becomes more like, like neglect and they, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's like the parents not present for them or they're in an altered state of consciousness. I had a, I have a client who, um, who had a mother that he didn't even realize that she was basically drunk all the time. Oh, he had, okay. He had, but he didn't know. He didn't tell his friends came over once and said, why is your mother drunk? And he said, what do you mean? She's always like that. And then he realized that she was just always drunk always. And, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't really want to be around her, you know, he, and it, and it brought just a lot of it. It was all comes back to the same sort of thing like this really you know that love that feeling does this my parent not love me if they're not you mm-hmm. know able to really connect and they're so disconnected from themselves right you know, when you're when you're using these substances you're not you know your your vibration is low you're, they could be attracting low vibrational you know attachments and things right. like that when you're and so um it's that that person is not really fully in their bodies um so i think you know it's i would say it's all the same sort of (laughs) approaches you know of helping somebody get like what are the thoughts what are the beliefs that are coming up connecting with that inner child Mm -hmm. um of course sometimes addiction gets you know passed down and then the if that person is is engaging in that as well because it's learned behavior it's like i have a you know i i have a problem in my life how do i deal with that problem i drink so I could numb it or I do this, do whatever drug so I can numb it. Mm-hmm. But, and it's, so it's teaching them first to be like, to learn how to feel there and feel safe enough to feel their emotions. And, mm-hmm. and, and to really, you know, that can be a real learning experience for people. And that it's that bad emotions are not 
necessarily bad. They have information for you. You know, what does that emotion want to say to you? It has a message. Yeah. It's a trigger. So, it's a trigger. Maybe yeah. you get a bad emotion about something, it's a trigger. So it's, it, uh, triggers are not bad. It's just, they just cues the, oh, all right, there's some work to do here that yeah. you have to do. Okay. Yeah. Here's a big trigger for people growing up with absentee parents who were never around. These, this is very, this is very common because parents are working longer hours and they're work, both parents are working many times. Yeah. So, yeah. And you still have a childhood to, to do as well. So, yeah. absentee parents. Well, you know, it comes to mind, I've had a number of clients like this, where if they end up having to be that response, if they're the oldest, for instance, they end up having to be like that parent, they have to, Mm -hmm. they have to, they're making dinner for their siblings, they're taking Mm -hmm. care of the kids. And I've had some clients who really, um, they have a lot of mixed feelings, like they're, they're, they don't even want to express anger towards their parents because they know they work so hard. They just, they feel bad for them, you know, and so, but they're actually denying that emotion within. And actually this can be, it's, this can be a really hard situation to be in because they're not. Right. Cause they also miss their childhood. And that's that's that too. Their childhood. They were, then you feel guilty for, for thinking that you miss your childhood because your parents are working so hard in order to provide for you guys. So it's like a double edged sword. So how do you overcome this? Well, I often, it's like help them do like play. You know, mm-hmm. like what it, they're often that inner child, again, it's the inner child got a different imagery. The inner child will say, you know, go um, dancing, you know, go out dancing or you used to love, like, what did you used to love when you were a child that you didn't mm-hmm. really get to do very much? Oh, I used to love to uh, ski, maybe. Okay, ski. Or I used to paint a lot or I did art, but then I stopped doing that because I was always busy, you know, cleaning the house or cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's also the case for parents, the people whose parents were addicts or alcoholics, they were often picking up all these pieces for their family. Right. And that little child didn't get a chance to just be a child and play. And that, right. And so that is super important. Um, and, you know, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think um, there's all kinds of things that can come with, you know, the absentee parent, all kinds of emotions, you know, th- like you said, anger, um, often that child will, think that the parents are you know we were taught that these parents are so these people that brought us in the world they're like gods they could never do anything wrong so if they if they are not there for me that it must be because i'm not interesting enough or you know i'm i've had some clients say that you know my maybe i'm just i don't have anything interesting to say or i'm you know i i've Mm -hmm. not somebody that people want to be around because otherwise why would my parents not why wouldn't they have been around me um, or it can lead to just un, you know, anger that is really pent up and it's not expressed because, you, you know, they feel guilty for even being, they don't want to allow themselves to be angry at their parents. So, no, so that can, is, you can grow up with, you can grow up with those, those unconscious feelings that you had about this situation. And then yeah. that becomes a behavior that you have as an adult. Like maybe you yeah. don't like, you know, as social with people or maybe you're too social to, to, to accommodate they can come out in a lot of different ways but um it it definitely goes back to the absentee parents and then a lot of child adults i'll call them child adults child children who are adulting yeah children who are adulting right um a lot of them will will miss out on going to friends birthday parties or summer parties or you know activities because uh, i got to take care of you know 
yeah. my siblings or I gotta I gotta go bust the the siblings and just do the parent stuff um so yeah. this one is a this one is a hard one because you're not beaten you're not molested right okay right. uh right. your parents aren't a mess of being a drug or alcoholic addict uh you're yeah. you're not hungry you're not in poverty because mm-hmm. they they provided for you um mm-hmm. and so this was the hard one the only thing is that just whenever around I, you know so, I have a client who was had that happen and she was like oh, I had a great childhood and she did, could never think of anything but she had some issues in her marriage where her husband was just really disrespectful to her and just would kind of make fun of what she said and and she didn't know why and she had lot, lack of confidence and then we did a inner child um got an imagery like a regression and, and it turns out she there was a, the first memory that came up was she was walking home by herself when she was in kindergarten because yeah. her nobody picked her up and so it's like and that and she and she never realized how much that affected her uh-huh. that she was regularly alone walking home from and like nobody was there to pick her up and so it can be these one little thing you know that happens as sad as it is that can really but it was, you know, it was a pattern. Her mother was, yeah. her parents were both working. They weren't there. She was often home alone and, and they were good to her. But they did the best they could when they were there. But it, um, but it led to this feeling of not, there was something about not being smart enough or not being interesting enough. And so she attracted a partner that mirrored that you know that reflected that belief. maybe like a, maybe she attracted a partner this happens too because they'll attract yes. a partner that's over a workaholic yeah it's like the parents yes, were and exactly. so they just have like these these part-time relationships that's, that's what i deserve they this is right. this sort of really they don't need, they're not aware of it but um you know i think when i when i you know and you know this too but sometimes people just everybody processes differently so some people right. come to this awareness by talking about it you know, and then writing is always helpful, you know, so it's like the conscious mind, the subconscious mm-hmm. mind through hypnotherapy, which can reprogram some of that stuff. Right. And then, you know, regressions and guided imagery where they're talking and they're retrieving memories from this life and past lives. And, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. and then the super conscious where they're learning how to connect with guides and angels to, right. to understand why. So it's like the ego when it doesn't, you know, it will come up with irrational things. Well, the reason this happened is because it must be because I'm bad, defective, not enough, not worthy, not lovable in some way. When in fact, it was that you had to learn from this experience. You had to break this pattern. You're working on this lesson and that, you know, just that awareness. Right, is like, right. Oh my gosh, it's not my fault. <laughs> you, you I, yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing, the thing with this one, because um, this one's a hard one because there's no bad people in this like nobody's doing anything bad to you this one's a hard one because it's like um about the absenteeism so and this one like i i see this becoming more and more um common especially as parents are um are working to with the the cost of inflation yeah uh as parents are working more and harder to um to provide basics and so children are going to be children. They don't understand those, the, those higher levels quite yet, but they understand, gosh, you just, I, I don't, I feel, feel bad making you feel bad about not being there for me. So how do we supplement um, yeah. having that support? So this is what I've told some of my clients who've had, had this, um, you know, obviously they resolved it, they forgive it, they let it go, but so that they don't continue to repeat it in their life with their children what I've what I've um, suggested is try to find a supplement. So if you can't make it to 
your children's ball games, and um, and everybody knows that when you're one of your your parents would be the best, but if mm-hmm. one of your family members show up to cheer you on, it just makes you feel extra special mm-hmm. to have a to have an audience. Everybody knows how that feeling. So, if you're not able to attend, try to get assist your your sister or their aunt, their uncle, um, mm-hmm. to to go there and cheer them on. Um, mm-hmm. So that really really helps to get extended family members. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are, if they have siblings, try to encourage the siblings to attend each other's um, activities mm-hmm. and be there mm-hmm. for each other, so that mm-hmm. you know, dad's really busy working stuff. Uh, call call the kids to congratulate them or give them a pet top beforehand uh, and say, "I'm with you, you guys. I'm going to work a little bit behind, but I'm with you. I support you. I want to hear all about this when I get home. Let's celebrate the yeah. wins. Or that's that's." This, I'm gonna bring you ice cream. If you guys lose, mm-hmm. let me know. I'll bring ice cream when I come home, and we'll 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 go over, you know, yeah, the the gameplay over ice cream. So find yeah. creative ways to still support each other, um, and be there for each other when you just can't because of of all this work to afford the cost of living. So this one yeah. is gonna be a common one. Yeah, um, I see in the near future. The other thing too, those are great suggestions is just taking time then to just have one-on-one time with that child. I think that's, that was just popping my mind. Just like, okay, I wasn't here. I wasn't able to be there, but now we're going to go to the playground together, just you and me or something, you know, and that, and that I think really could mean a lot just to have your parents full attention. So you're not on your phone. You're not like half there, you know, you're not, there's nothing else distracting you, but you're just with that, you're giving your child all your attention and then they feel loved and cared for. And that's really right. all that matters. They just need to know that they're loved. Or sit, you know, like little children, like sit, sit, sit me, sit with me, just sit with me. Yeah. You, you don't have to talk to say anything. Just sit and watch the show together. Just yeah. Be I, present. Be pre- yeah. Your presence is all that's yeah. needed. I have okay. this theory. Oh, just really with, my, with my kids, I have this theory that like when they say like, will you play this game with me? Or will you go just today? My daughter's like, will you go? Well, to my husband, he was the one he, we homeschooled them, and, and um, she was like, "Can you go make a snowman with me?" And his, and I was, I, I had a client, so I was, you know, he was. This was his day with the kids, and he was like, "Well, I, I really can't because I got to do this thing for our other son." And I, and I said, I reminded him, I was like, "Usually, the things they want us to do with them don't take that long. It's just like mm-hmm. just the saying, yes, I will do this with you,' and then you go do it, and then you know they get bored and they want to do something else." But I, that's my theory is like when they ask me to do something, even if I have something else I already planned to do, like if play a game with them or read to them, I try to just do it no matter what, you know, is, you know, within reason, because just that, you know, spending that time, even if it's a short few minutes can really matter, I think. Yeah. So. These are really great tips for, for, for people to, on how to be, be there for each other. And even as friends, friends can be there for each other if they notice a friend is not having um, their parents or family member be there for them as much. They can, yeah. You can be there as their friend family. Okay, yeah. the last exercise one is being, this is the opposite of loving parents that are overworked and aren't able to be there as absentee parents. The, the opposite is being directly told by your parents or your family member that you're not wanted. You're a piece of S. You know, all all of that yeah. garbage. So how do you work with clients about this one? Yeah, that's hard. Um, you know, I have this exercise that I do. I mean, all of the above, like all of the above things, but 
there's that sort of like a uh, phrase, like a literal phrase that somebody can say, it's like a, you know, it's a knife. It's like a knife in your stomach or your heart. It's a dagger that, you know, you literally want to pull out, you know, twist, get it out. But um, there's this exercise I like to do with people, which is I call reframing automatic negative thoughts. And I learned it from, you know, my life coaching program, but yeah. you, you have them like, they hear that belief or that thought and you, they ask themselves, like, do I really believe that deep down? Because they start to internalize it. Mm, well, mm. I'm not a likable person. Nobody likes me. I'm, I'm again, bad, not likable because this, I must not be if this is what my parent told me. Um, and you start to like, do I really believe that deep down? Is that a hundred percent true? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you have them like, you know, and they start to, and then this isn't going to get to the, every, every part of it, but right. they can start to, you know, come up with a new phrase or thought that takes mm-hmm. the place of that thought. So if the thought is like, no one, need, nobody likes me, which would make sense if they were told that by a parent, then they might just carry that with them for years. And then what happens if they start to really think nobody likes me, then they're going to do things that echo that belief. And then Mm -hmm. that reality will come true. And so, and then what happens is tricky because then like, well, they will find that people are drawn, not drawn to them as much if they're doing things that make them unlikable. Right. Self-sabotage. Yeah. And then the people will say, see, you're, and it uses that against them. Like, see, you're not likable because of this, this, and this time. So you know, the, the thought reframing is like, well, you know, they start to come up with a new thought. And I, I like to do this pendulum analogy. It's like, okay, here's the thought. Nobody likes me. Opposite thought would be everybody likes me. You don't, the ego doesn't accept that. You bring it back to the middle. You come up with a new thought that starts with something like, well, I'm starting to see that blah, blah, blah. Or actually mm-hmm. I'm learning that blank, or I'm starting to believe that it's not like everybody likes me. I'm lovable. Cause part of us, you know, those are like affirmations, but we don't always believe them or they don't come from the heart from our mm-hmm. truth or our internal, you know, they don't come from us. So they don't, right. we, the ego can just reject them. So we come up with a new, you know, I, this can be really hard for people to do, but come up with a new mantra that they feel is true. And it's like, well, I know I'm starting to believe that's not true because this person does like me you know this person they, like they start to come up with an example to kind of break that belief down mm-hmm. or or actually like i have you know sometimes i'll be like write down like 10 things you like about yourself yeah. every day and make yeah. it different and so it's training the brain to focus on the good things about themselves versus the bad things and um the other there's another extra so that thought you know the thought reprogram yeah reframe just reframe the negative thought or perception you have into a positive because that that's a tool that most people don't learn how to do and if you can learn how to do that inherently it doesn't matter what's thrown at you you can reframe and be like oh well that's a different way of seeing i like that yeah i do that all the time i'll have the thought come in and it'll be like oh you're not or you can't i'll be like whoa that's I know that's my ego and I'll just be like no I know that's not true or do I really believe that's true no it's not and I mm. it's like I won't let it and here I'm in my light and here's this mean nasty thought and it's not the same as emotion you know we want to feel our emotions but I don't let I don't let that thought come in or I'll instantly be like that's not true you know like we went to Costa Rica a few weeks ago and you know before we did that I'd really just basically manifest this trip but my ego would be like oh you can't afford four plane tickets no you can't afford it and I'll, and I just would hear that thought and I'll be like, but I don't know that that's not true. I, maybe uh-huh. I can, you know, right. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible that I can't, that we can. It's po- I'm starting to believe that we might be able to. I'm not saying 
yes, we have like millions of dollars and we can buy plane tickets all the time, but there's a chance. And so it's like this little opening and it's not like the best sort of, you know, it's not the most amazing, most positive statement, but it's not closing the door. It's like leaving just that little opening. It's possible. I'm starting to see that. I'm learning that, you know, that with the likable thing, it's like, I'm, I'm starting to believe that there are things about me that other people enjoy or that there's things that, that I, you know, I, I have some friendships that whatever it is. And then I'll, and then they'll, I'll say to them, right. Okay. Now you have this. And if you really feel it in your heart, sometimes mm-hmm. you need to tweak it. And then they like, I'll say, put it in your phone as if it's an appointment to yourself. So it pops mm-hmm. up like every day. So you see it right on a right. post-it note on your bathroom mirror or wherever. And so you start to see, it and it starts to reprogram your thinking so you don't allow, and then and, and you don't allow those ones to come in, and it's super super powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You could do that. You could do the reframing exercise on almost anything. I, I actually use yeah. it. It's funny you were in Costa Rica. I was in Kauai um, yeah. for the QHHT reunion, but um, but going into it, we hit some turbulence on the plane, and my husband, mm. e- even though he works in aerospace, he's like, oh, he got a little nervous, and I, I and I said, just just close your eyes. And, um, and I, I do this like light touch to kind of like distract, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so I like just close your eyes and imagine this big archangel picking up the plane, holding it and then his, the wings mm-hmm. just kind of nicely gliding and stabilizing yeah. it. And this huge, like, um, like, a like a point of other angels in front bracing the wind and this it's going to be nice and stable all the way through and it became nice and stable and we went through just fine and we landed it was one of the smoothest plane trips after that that he's ever had and i was like that's all it takes that's all it takes just reframe the negative into something positive whatever you can imagine but that's just a really good exercise it's really good tools to help us in our lives um, okay, so I really hope that these exercises that you gave people help them reprogram old traumas. And then if they wanted to take any of your courses on being a light worker or on looking to cost your records or um, on doing this to themselves, uh, where do they start with your material? I mean, um, well, they could pick up a copy of my book because that it's a lot of stuff, a lot of those tools and the meditations and um are in there. And obviously then of course, if, or, or they can go to my website. So I have um, some free stuff there. I have different meditations and I'm actually teaching a live Akashic records class, teaching people how to read the Akashic records in um, the end of March, which I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be after people hear this, but, um, but I regularly teach that on an ongoing basis. And um, I have a few courses that are like st- self-paced course on how to communicate with angels and just another one. one. Yeah, I love oh, so powerful, like your story that angels shift energy in powerful ways. Um, and just how about how to like uh, do all the stuff we talked about. There's another like stand, you know, course, develop your intuition, which is just clearing the third eye and, mm-hmm. you know, and clearing the ego and learning how to connect with spirit through vibration. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the book definitely has a lot of that stuff. And, and then every year, you know, I just started this a, a few months ago, but once a year, I teach um, uh, other light workers, you know, mm-hmm. people who want to do this work like me and you, how to do it. So it's like they, it's an intuitive guide certificate program, and I'll teach them all these, all the things that I do. Pretty most of the things we don't get into 
hypnotherapy and regression yet. Um, that'll be like part two, but, um, that's, you know, really it's an intensive program that I love doing, like teaching people to carry it forward and keep sharing the light because people need help. We need as many, all hands on deck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of all hands on deck, what is the last message do you have for builders of fifth dimensional earth? Last message. Uh, um, well, I want, it's a hope. Be, that we are moving there. Some some people I think are really scared of like some of the dystopian things they're seeing. That you know the the people who think they control things or pull, the three D matrix is pulling at all these stops to try to keep us in fear. That it's not going to work. Like that's I, I really believe that all that stuff is just we're moving into five D. Just it's through our we're already there in a lot of ways. And some people think like. Oh, I'm just going to wake up and be in 5D, but it's a gradual process and it's through our individual work, like all that we were talking about. And so just to keep hope, you know, that, that just keep doing what you're doing. It's working, keep connect, you know, the spiritual connection with light is super important, super important. And that's how we, we remember that we are one with each other and that we're one with the earth and one with the animals and we're all one. And when we understand that, and that we're just here having this temporary human experience, like earth school then we can Mm -hmm. start to let go of all that stuff and just, you know, start to live in that feeling of oneness and presence and and flow. And it's a process, but it's, it's possible. And that's what it's going to be like, you know, the more we do that, the more it's going to start to be like that. Yeah. So maybe instead of connecting to certain bandwidths, connect to infinite G. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The Christ consciousness within you. Right. Yeah. Source of infinite G. Yeah. Well, Miss Rachel White, thank you for helping us reprogram old traumas that hold us back in our spiritual evolution and provide us simple tools to grow in our fifth dimensional consciousness and, of course, 5D Earth. So for more information about Miss Rachel White's offerings, please visit her website, which is soulfulworkconsulting.com. It's in the show description as well. And thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time. Blessings. Blessings. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.